0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of World of Wellness Podcast. I'm your grateful host, Megan Zucra. Happy to be here as always. Today we have a special guest, Jeff Wickersham. And Jeff is a sought-after peak performance coach who helps guide clients to intentionally step into the best versions of themselves and unlock their hero waiting inner hero, waiting to be unleashed. Um, Jeff is a number one best-selling author, Tony Robbins award winner, and a podcast host and practitioner of what he teaches. This podcast was so fun to record and I was really looking forward to it because I knew immediately that Jeff and I had a lot in common. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview with Jeff. All right, Jeff, I'm so excited to have a discussion with you today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Would you mind starting by introducing yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Wickersham, and uh, I am a peak performance, mindset, and confidence coach. And people might hear that and say, well, what the heck is that? And how did you get there? And I had an interesting kind of backstory where I spent 20 plus years in corporate America. I had a life event that kind of punched me at the gut, cut me at the knees. Unfortunately, I lost my mom to breast cancer seven and a half years ago. So that was my kind of moment to look at life and say, okay, is this truly where I want to be? And I chose to pivot, chose to chase my passion. I was always into exercise and fitness and I opened up a gym locally. And then what organically grew out of that was peak performance mindset and confidence coaching, because that is something we all battle. Megan, you battle it. I battle it. We all battle it on a daily basis. And that is truly the key. So I eat, sleep and breathe habits, rituals, routines, I have a mantra, rise, fight, love, repeat. You're rising like a phoenix, reborn each day, new possibilities, new opportunities. You're fighting for your physical fitness, mental fitness, nutritional fitness. We need that dog, that fight mentality in us. Loving yourself most importantly, then you can love all those around you. And then that terribly unsexy, but the secret piece is that repetition over and over again. So love just working with people to uncover and bring out that hero inside that we all have that many times there's been layers and layers and layers of society, life in general, uh, on top of that, that hero inside. So yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks. So uh, there's so much, you have no idea. I'm so excited. You got a podcast, I have a best-selling book, your speaker and a coaching program. So my first question first is, do you still have your gym or have you worked yourself out of that?
1: I do not. So when COVID hit, I mean, I pivoted really quickly. Like that night, I knew it was coming down from the governor. I live in Pennsylvania. I mean, I was giving out equipment. We went to virtual classes right after that. Did that for about 14 months. Reopened. It just wasn't the same, and I was in a different place, mindset-wise as well, because I was pivoting to more of the peak performance mindset, confidence coaching. So I said, "This is kind of a, a a great pivot point. Let's lean into it." So I did close it down. I still have some personal t- training clients that come over to the house. I've got a gym in my garage, but other than that, it's it's really intentionally helping people step into the best version of themselves.
0: I love that. Oh, you have no idea how many little notes I have here. Can we start with, um, at the beginning of each of your podcasts, you do this thing <laughs> and you say, boom, really loud. Where did that come from? Tell me about it. Why do you do it?
1: Well, energy and zest is the number one virtue correlated to success, fulfillment, and, and truly living an inspired life. So what better way to shock people and give some energy back to the universe than a boom real quick. And people always, it, it resonates with people. And And I f- think people in general in society are looking to be surrounded by people that, that have a high energy level and, and, you know, you feel it, right. You come out of a conversation, you're ready to run through a brick wall because you're so fired up. So just giving that out into the universe, shocking people, hopefully to move them out of what's going on. So they'll listen to me a little bit more, but I, I just love, uh, love doing that.
0: Well, it's also kind of like gets your, uh, gets you out of your head and into your body. And when you feel that surge of energy, like, Oh, okay, well, here I am. Like, what are we doing now? It's kind of like, um, you know, like uh, it just reminds me of when athletes get together in a group, they kind of have like their cheer, their mantra for they do to kind of like raise that collective energy. Makes me think of you talked about in one of the episodes that I listened to about the people that you surround her with and energy. And um, if we're looking at collectively, I don't know which one it was, but you talked about having good people in your life increases your happiness 79% and decreases right. it with bad people by 7%. Can you talk about that some more?
1: Yeah, so I mean that that boom and and anytime yeah. we yell or yeah, we just we change our physiology. So you're immediately like flipping a switch and changing where you're at. And that's so incredibly powerful because 80% of our thoughts are negative and 95% are repetitive. So you think about that. That's That's the narrative that's playing in your mind each and every day. So how do you do something really quick to to change your physiology? I love screaming a little bit, or I'll do 25 push-ups before I jump on a podcast interview just to get the energy up. But we don't look at our circles close enough. And now studies have shown that, hey, if you have one positive person in your network, to your point, your chances of being happy by 9%. You have one negative person in your network, your social circle that is a victim, always a Debbie Downer, always what's wrong with the world, gossiping. That can decrease your chances of being happy by 7%. So I mean, think about the math. I was always good at math.
0: Compound interest on that too.
1: Correct. Over and over again. So you associate more with one more positive person, you eliminate one, your, your increases in your chances of being happy by 16%. We truly all want to be happy, but we're not taking a close enough look at, hey, maybe I shouldn't be around that person or that person's got tremendous energy. I got to hang with, hang out with them more.
0: Um. So I have read the book, The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Have you read that?
1: It's sitting back uh, <laughs> on my bookshelf right there the in orange. So it's cool. right there behind me. Yep.
0: Awesome. So I, interesting. Um he in that book talks about 90% of your happiness comes from your own internal thoughts and behaviors and then 10% is external influences and again in one of the podcasts that I listened to for me you, you talk about 50 40 10 mm-hmm. and so I thought I was like cool that is still in alignment with the 90% um can you elaborate on that
1: yes absolutely 40, yeah yeah and I love how it, it lined up and yeah. so 50% comes from our genetics. And that's yeah. stuff that we really can't tweak. It's just kind of kind of how we're made up, our DNA. 10% comes from life circumstances, your marital status, the car you drive, your job, all of those pieces. Then the 40% that we really need to focus on is our daily actions, behaviors, and habits. And that's where you can have such a positive impact when you're aware of it, And then intently saying, what do I need to do that lights me up? And when you take that perspective, oh, I I feel fantastic. I just went for a walk. Well, maybe every day I should go for a walk then. Well, I feel terrible. I ate Oreos and milk after my lunch today. Well, then you shouldn't do that. So you know, those behaviors, those actions, they truly make the difference. That's the 40% that we really need to focus on. And if you think about society in general, we're just preconditioned to chase that 10%, the bigger house, the nicer car, all those things. It's no wonder why so many people are unhappy because you're one, you're only focusing on the smallest sliver Two, that 40%. You're not, you're not doing enough to change those actions, those behaviors, and those habits on a daily basis.
0: So when it comes to those actions and behaviors that we have to change, how do we start to become more aware of them? Because I think a lot of us run on autopilot, and we're not even aware that the things that we're doing, like the Oreos after lunch are making us tired, or, you know, we're not actually paying attention to what's making us feel good and what's not, you know?
1: Yeah, it, absolutely. Up to 90%. Some, some people say 95% of what we do on a daily basis is on autopilot, meaning it's run through our subconscious mind, our subconscious mind's like a NASA supercomputer. It's just... Running behind the scenes. So number one is, hey, get a coach or somebody to bring it up and be very aware of, hey, the things you're doing. Right, that self discovery phase. Number two is, you might hit rock bottom in some area of life and that'll shock you, or you have the pain of losing somebody, like I did with with my mother. So you know, those are really the the, the couple avenues, as well as I would add three: find a different social circle. Right? That's the quickest way to kind of get leverage and get progress in your life. Go to a different social circle that operates and has things or is doing daily things that you resonate with and want to be a part of because then that's going to up your game a little bit.
0: Well, I think there's also a level of being vulnerable with yourself to admit to yourself that there's something wrong and something's not going on. And sometimes that's hard because our ego gets in the way of like, no, I'm doing everything fine or no, I don't want to feel the pain or I don't want to look at X, Y, Z.
1: Absolutely true. And it's very easy not to look at the pain. And I mean, two of my things, my kryptonites in my world were alcohol. And porn. And I eliminated both of those for 2022. I haven't had a sip of alcohol, no porn. And I feel fantastic, right? And it's tough admitting that. It's tough saying, no, I'm I'm gonna go against 87% of adults that drink and not drink for the entire year. Right. So uh, it, it's it's difficult, but you want a better life, you gotta face those difficult challenges and you you gotta give yourself some harsh truth from time to time.
0: I mean, alcohol is a big one too, because alcohol is such a big part of our social circle. And there's been times where like, I've not wanted to drink, but then it's like, there's this this, like social thing. And like, that's what everybody's doing. And it's a very weird thing of being the only one and not doing it. And you, you feel a little bit left out almost, but then it comes down to why are you doing it? And what are you trying to hope to accomplish? And I think, a lot of these things. And I love that we're even having this discussion and that's why I love what you do, but like, it's kind of like making the unsexy things, sexy.
1: So, so true. And I I was just having a conversation with one of my clients yesterday and I said, when you see the pack going down a particular path, you've got to go the other way because that, that path, that's not the path you want to go on because if everybody's headed that way, there's a reason. Um, So 87% of adults drink. Yeah. I've had a couple instances, right? Early in January, went out with six other couples and I was the only one out of the entire group, not drinking, but I brought non-alcoholic beer and and I was fine. And then the other one was when I told my family that I wasn't, my younger brother said, well, what are you going to do when we're on vacation? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm I'm still going to be the same person. I could yeah. have fun before I had alcohol. I can have yeah. fun now. So it's, it's interesting how, you know, those societal pressures and and peer pressure is just really, it's, it's so pervasive in our society.
0: Uh, one of my favorite tricks is that if I'm going out somewhere and I don't want to drink, but there's pressure to drink, you go early You tell the bartender, Hey, I'm just going to have vodka sodas, leave out the vodka and nobody will ever know.
1: There you go. Love it.
0: (laughs) Cool. So, um, I know that you have, I want to hear more about your morning rituals and what rituals you find most important. And I wouldn't curious to know what day of meditation you are on.
1: So. This took a lot of trial and error, and I always love to tell my clients or tell anybody I, I speak with, it's it's putting on that white lab coat. It's becoming a scientist. And, yeah. and some things work for some people, some work for other people. You've got to really get that curiosity, spark that kind of curiosity, and and really figure out what works for you. Number one, my morning starts the night before. I am planning, have everything ready so when the alarm clock goes off, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Mike small micro wins that I'm going to do first thing in the morning. And it's down to the level of having a glass of water up in the cabinet ready for me. And people are always like, that's ridiculous. Why why would you do that? Well, one, I have cats, so I don't overnight. Two, imagine if somebody didn't push in the dishwasher fully and there wasn't a clean glass. Like that's the first opportunity for your mind to say, you know what, Jeff, this is ridiculous. Just go back to bed or or go do something else. So you've got to prepare for success the night before. I love full glass of water in the morning, right? The longest stretch of the day we go, right? We both have a fitness background. You're dehydrated when you wake up. Starting that rehydration process is essential to your energy and your vigor in the morning. Love working out, and I call it a power workout, about 10 minutes. I love to hammer out some push-ups, some sit-ups, some air squats, Love to meditate. Today was 1,608 straight days that I've meditated at least 10 minutes. So um, that is great, right? Getting some hydration, exercising, meditating, and then gratitude journaling is another piece to the puzzle I love to do, right? Science says if you gratitude journal once per week over a 10 week period, it can increase your happiness again by 25%. So there's these small things that we can implement and do that, that, creates this level of happiness that we're all searching for in the wrong areas.
0: Right. Um, Gratitude. I don't know if you've listened to any of my podcasts, but I talk about gratitude all the time. It is like the number one thing I do before I even get out of bed. I just do it on my fingers. 10 things I'm grateful for. I don't, it doesn't even matter. But like, that is the first thing. And Um, I've seen over time that that has just elevated my mindset. It's made me happier and it makes me feel better. Cause I, there's a point in time where I was waking up. The first thing that I said in my mouth was that word. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's not okay. But, and just think about how you're setting the tone for the day, right? Like, oh,
1: absolutely. That's why I say, to wake up, make your bed, get a glass of water, stack these small micro wins. Yeah. You are programming your NASA supercomputer, your subconscious mind for success. You're, you're feeling this progress moving forward where if you're waking up and cursing and throwing yourself in the shower, pissed off that you got to go do this. How do you think your day is going to, you, you can't control the middle of your day, but you can control the bookends, right? What happens at the end and what happens in the morning. And that's yeah. a very, very powerful way to, uh, to start.
0: Um, tell me a little bit, what was the, um, inspiration for morning fire? Like how, why, I guess that's kind of like what we talked about a little bit with the morning rituals, but can you elaborate more on that?
1: You know what? I, I'm trying to think back. That's a great question. I haven't been asked that in, in quite some time. I, I, obviously, the morning was the focus, but yeah. bringing fire, bringing that energy, it's, it's just so needed. And I, I feel like most of the world are walking zombies, kind of just numb. They're flatline. They're just going through the motions, and, and we need that energy, that vigor, that zest yeah. to people out of that state because you only get one opportunity and so many people are missing and wasting days and not living in the present moment. So uh, bringing that fire, bringing that energy, that's, that's where I kind of came up with the, uh, came up with the name.
0: Um, I'm curious who some of your mentors have been, or who do you like to, who do you like to learn from?
1: So Tony Robbins is number one. I've been in one of his groups for uh, three plus years, actually won an award from, from his, uh, his group. So next time I get to see one of his events in person, I'll actually meet him backstage. I cool. can't, wait to, uh, can't wait to do that. He's been one. John Gordon's been another. Love his, uh, his books and, and the way he goes about things. Uh, Ed Milette, David Goggins is another one. Uh, love the way he just grinds and gets after it and has such a tenacious work ethic. So those are, uh, those are a few that, that I definitely follow and resonate with.
0: How did you, um, in a lot of your things that I've read and listened to, you talk about breath. Tell me about your background with breath. Where'd that come from and what kind of breathing techniques do you like to do?
1: So I, uh, I've been called crazy many times and I, I love that, right? I I feel like that we need more good crazy in the world and got into cold baths, right? Cold showers, ice baths, Hmm. followed Wim Hof a little bit, actually connected with a former Navy SEAL FBI agent, who's a Wim Hof certified instructor, so I brought him to my gym a couple of times, actually flew him in last at the end of last year to meet with one of my masterminds and go through the breathing techniques, the ice baths and, and all that that encompasses because we have so much power just through our breath, just through putting ourselves in uncomfortable positions, situations. That unlocks so much mental strength and mental resiliency, but yet we don't do that. So I uh, just just been following Wim Hof, love his, his breath work. I mean, I'm 1,200 and some a days with either a cold shower, ice bath, or this winter, I added a cold walk. So under 32 awesome. degrees- just with shorts, gloves, a hat, and sneakers walking around. (laughs) And one of my neighbors said, did you lose a bet? And I was like, no, this is amazing for your body. So combine a little bit of exercise with the cold exposure.
0: i have actually, I've been, I've went, I've gone through the Wim Hof training myself um, and started studying with him in 2015. And the only thing that I can complain about something California is that it's not it doesn't get cold enough.
1: <laughs> right, right. Your cold showers are much different than my cold showers. In the dead yeah. of winter. Yeah. And
0: then like the, the the yeah, it's just it's a way different process. But yeah. I can't even tell you just like what you're saying. The mirror that doing these uncomfortable things, like the over breathing and also the cold exposure that gives you of yourself and the way that you handle stress is just absolutely incredible. And I love that when you're putting yourself in stressful situations, whether it's exercising, like right exercise is a form of stress, it's overbreathing; mm-hmm. you are stressing your body or whether it's cold, you are training your nervous system to be able to better handle the psychological stress that we all get throughout the day. And then we have a tool to um, like with the breathing, we have a tool to take a step back and then move forward with handling the stress in a much more methodical way.
1: It's so powerful and it's so true, right? We live at a 67 to 72 degree, comfortable in our cars and everywhere. Yeah, We never put our bodies through natural stressors. And if we did more of that, we'd be able to handle the external stress that we might face in work, relationships, finances, whatever it might be a lot better. And that's one of the reasons why I do it. It's going to be 90 plus here this weekend. Um, I'm going for a run and my wife's always like, it's hundred percent humidity. Why are you going for a run? It's 105 out. I said, cause I'm putting my body through the stress so it can adapt to the other stress that I'm going to face. And that's, that's definitely a uh, principle that I operate on a daily basis by.
0: Well, and this is where just training in general comes in. Like people think that we're not meant to do that, but we 100% are like our brains are still designed to be able to handle the cold stressors and the hot stressors. Like you're saying, we go from 70 degree house to car, to office, to Mm -hmm. warm shower, and we're never actually stressing it. And this is where some, um, like if we're not stressed, these hormones in our brain aren't getting released, then we're not getting the that's where autoimmune diseases come in. And for the hormones that we're not, that we're designed to use, don't get released. Then the body goes, something's wrong because we're too comfortable.
1: Right, right. And I love the cold shower, just turning it to cold. And that mental. It's it's like hitting a rep in the gym, right? It, yeah. It's basically for your mind. And we don't hit the mental gym. We don't hit the mindset gym. We don't hit the confidence gym, but feeling that ice cold water, your mind basically saying, no, what are you doing? This is crazy and saying, you know what? Go sit in the corner. You're either with me or you're not. If you're not going to help me, I'm going forward. And, and it just gives you so much power when you put the, put in those repetitions of being able to have your mind help you rather than so many times your mind battles you and it that you're going through. It's an internal struggle. So it's definitely, uh, definitely been eye-opening from that perspective.
0: Uh, Two things here. One, when we push ourselves through those things, then we're actually boosting our confidence in every other aspect of our life. And two, you were talking about the mental challenge. I have found this time and time again, that the mental challenge working up to anything that's uncomfortable is always so much longer than actually completing the challenging thing. What would you how would you encourage somebody to get over that? Like to have, well, first we have to have the awareness that like we're overthinking something, but how would you push somebody to get out of that comfort zone of thinking and start doing?
1: One is many times we feel anxiousness. We feel those, those butterflies. And I've coached my youngest son on this. I coach some other kids that are athletes on this. And and we've been taught to breathe, right? Well, actually that's fighting the body's natural stimulation, natural arousal to prepare us to succeed. So instead of trying to breathe, you feel those butterflies say, I'm excited, right? I'm excited. And you immediately change your physiology and you flip Mm -hmm. that switch from nervousness to my body. This means I care, number one, and it means my body's preparing me for success. And if I say I'm excited, all of a sudden you're transferring what used to be nervous energy into great positive energy. And then you can go attack it. And many times, if you do that, you'll be able to step forward. The other piece is when you feel those nerves, those butterflies, using that as a reverse indicator that that means I am doing something that is going to be good for me because I'm getting out of my comfort zone where so many times we've been taught, uh, how, we, how do we feel? Oh, I don't feel well. I, I'm nervous. I probably shouldn't do it. No, that's the indicator that that's exactly what you should do.
0: It's a sign you're on the right path and it's your first step towards change. I absolutely love that. Um, I kind of want to switch gears to energy a little bit. And we kind of started talking about that a little bit with getting energy, but how do we, um, how do we guard our energy and stay away from things that, how do we identify things that are sucking our energy and how do, how do we stay away from things that are draining our energy?
1: Number one is having an awareness, right, yeah. of, of connecting the dots where, hey, I put food in my, food's a great example, right? I put yeah. food in my body, oh my gosh, an hour later, I feel like I'm I'm just so tired, I want to go sleep on the couch. Well, what'd you eat? You probably shouldn't eat that again. Right. Right, I eat something, I still have a high energy level, all right, I, I should eat more of those. So having an awareness of what you do, how it makes you feel 5, 10, half an hour, hour down the road can allow you to really monitor your energy level. I would also say tend to operate as if we have constant energy and there's these mm-hmm. things called all rhythms, right? Where every 90 minutes or so we get a, we get a Valley, right? You can operate for about 90 minutes. It's like filling up a glass of water. You can fill it up to so much and then it starts pouring out the sides. Well, then you need to take five to 10, 15 minutes to actually dump out the glass of water, but we're, Running from meeting to meeting to email to email to email. And we just can't operate that way. You that's why you feel fatigued. So if you take some scheduled breaks every 90 minutes, boy, you can go back and, and hit it hard. We're just not meant to do that. The other piece as far as energy is, is moving. If you're sitting for extended long periods of time, your energy is just gonna dip. I mean, I have a stand-up desk. I do push-ups throughout the day, love going for walks, love doing things to kind of break up those 90-minute cycles, as well as finding other people that operate at a high energy level, right? Guarding yourself against news, against being on social media all day long. Most of that is all negative, and it's going to bring you down. It's going to dip your energy. It's just like having a conversation with somebody that is just an energy vampire, and you, you leave it and you're like exhausted cuz they sucked all the energy out of you. Right. So those those would be a couple of things I I highly recommend.
0: So it made me think of that little quote where attention goes, energy flows. And what you put your attention on is what you're deeming most important into your life. I want to talk about podcast for a second. Have you heard of Abraham Hicks?
1: I have not. Okay.
0: Now. Well, there's it's a court, he it's a she actually, but she basically this is related, but unrelated, but she basically like, um, she channels and it's just like a lot of like positive affirmations that she gets and they're really short and sweet. And it made me think of, um, your podcast, which I think your podcast is short and sweet. Cause they're anywhere from like five minutes to 20 minutes. Was that intentional to keep it short like that?
1: Absolutely. So yeah. people can get, get one thing to focus on. And we're yeah. so overwhelmed with knowledge and information. Just yeah. take one, move a little bit, and if you do that over and over again, then then that, you know, that compa- that compound effect just just takes takes a takes takes hold really.
0: Yeah. So, what type of people do you typically um, work with?
1: Uh, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, business owners, VP executives, people that truly want to have both pillars, personal and professional. Operate at an optimal level, right yeah. they, and, and many might have a great professional, but their personal life is is suffering, right? Some might be the opposite way and it's it's having people intentionally build identities to step into, take actions upon that, then you get great feelings and it's just amazing to to watch the transformation and, and consistency accountability are two of my staples i mean just be consistent every day be accountable and then amazing things start to happen in your life
0: um you made me remember what i was gonna ask about <laughs> um one i love the accountability aspect because i people need accountability but they have to want to be held accountable in order to make those changes you can't like just say hold me accountable but then like, you try to hold them accountable they won't let you be accountable you have to like really want it. And I think that's where the mindset comes in. So my question was, when we're talking about movement, so say that we're working with, um, a high level executive and they just like, cannot even fathom taking a break or even stopping for 15 minutes. What kind of, um, like, how would you, how would you direct them to actually do it? If they're just so stuck in their you know what I'm saying? Like Yep. It's a tough thing to do, especially when you're running a company.
1: I would recommend putting a algorithm place where they jump on a call or they're on a conference call that they put it on speakerphone. They walk around their desk three times while before they get started, right? Something so small that they can just do. And they every time, that's your algorithm. If I jump on a call, I need to walk around my desk three times. And just something to start that process because once you give that spark and once they see, oh, I can do that, then the mind starts to open up and to to see more possibilities, but just making it so gosh darn easy that they can't say no and they can do it is a a tremendous, tremendous way to get started.
0: Well, that makes me just even think about before you hop on a call, everybody has time to do five pushups or five squats. Like that takes 30 seconds, just like anybody can sit here and take three deep breaths. Like we have time to do all of these things. It's just a matter of what we've said three times already being aware of it and wanting to make that shift and change. Yep. Um, man, it's all comes down to mindset, doesn't it?
1: At the end of the day, that's the battle, right? I mean, that, that is it it's mindset. I mean, you look at peak athletes, they, they say 90% of it is mindset, right? Yeah. And 90% of their success is is related to it. So how do we, work on those algorithms, those protocols, those habits that happen behind the scenes how do we set them up to be helping us rather than you know hurting us? And when you do that then you start that progress and it, it continues to build and, and it's just it's it's truly what stops so many people is their mindset is those habits and rituals they've done for five, 10, 20 years they're still in the same spot they don't understand why. That's, that should be a warning sign should be popping off. And you should be like, I need to get a coach or somebody to help me move the needle.
0: Uh, you said two things. One, I love the thing helping or th- hurting. I think when we're coming to what our habits and rituals are, these helping or hurting me become the person that I want to become. And then also when it comes to wanting to make the mindset shift of, if I continue to do this, what is my life going to look like? And is the pain of staying the same greater than the pain of moving the needle into becoming a different version of yourself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so true. I mean, there's the exercise of, you know, imagining yourself on your deathbed and, and then somebody walks in and that's who the person you were supposed to be walks in and you see that person. And all of a sudden you're just like, Holy crap! That should have been me, and uh, that that's a that's a powerful powerful exercise to do. Or imagining your funeral, and what are people going to say about you at your funeral? I've done that with some of the men I coach. It's extremely emotional, and it's 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 very powerful to think of those things. And so many times we avoid death. Listen, nobody's going to escape it, and that's a powerful way to get movement, get leverage on yourself to take action today
0: and nobody knows when it's coming either so are you going to sit today doing the things that you wish you would have done or you know what i mean by that like uh yep. yeah yeah yep. Yep. wow i haven't done that one i've done um maybe i actually have i think i've envisioned myself as an old lady and looking at um the thing but not the uh, i haven't done the funeral one have you written your own eulogy i uh
1: i i i have back in november i i wrote it as uh you know people would say and it was it was very very emotional and it's it's great to feel that and say is this truly what i want to have said and if it isn't then you then you've got to move if it is hey keep con- doing keep continuing to do those things that that light you up and and down that path
0: i this all of this is just it's so Why do you, why do you think for the, and I know that you and i not, don't necessarily work with the average person, but if the average person were listening to this, why do you think that it's so difficult for them to start to do like, why, why, why is writing or eulogy so difficult for us in our society these days? You know, like it should, these things should be normalized, I think. And having this conversation does that, but just curious what you think about that.
1: It's easy not to.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life
1: life is we are we are so in a constant state of easiness. Yeah. And we are basically frogs in the boiling pot of water and it's just gently being turned up and we don't feel it and it's it's what we're pre-programmed from a society, from a news, from a marketing perspective and it's it's just easy to not do the hard work. And then if you have some ailment, take a pill for it. Right. And you still don't have to do work, even though it might have all these side effects. It's like I, I laugh when I hear the pharmaceutical commercials and they say you can take this. And at the end, they list all these side effects. And there's like 35. Yeah. And I'm like, why would anybody take that? Take care of their, their... so it's it's just easy to not do the hard work. And it's easy to self-medicate and it's easy to turn on the TV. It's just easy to not face the truth and be the best version of ourselves
0: it's easier to look externally rather than at what, how we're actually contributing to the problems that we're facing. And sometimes it's not, I mean, sometimes like if we're looking at health, like sometimes there is the hereditary and genetic effects, but when our lifestyle turns on or turns off these genetics in our body, by the way that we treat ourselves. And again, there's some, I think that one of the percentages that I learned is that 95% of all, um, or 90% of all diseases are due to faulty lifestyle and only 10%, see the 95% or I can't remember, but 5 to 10% is genetic or hereditary. Stag- 95%.
1: That's a st- it's staggering number, right? I mean, just crazy that you have the power to 90 to 95% of those have an impact on if you develop those in your life.
0: Um. So I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit with needing to look internally to change these things and how t- we've talked about how it's really easy to look externally and it's much easier to you know turn on a TV scroll social media rather than sit and maybe meditate or do some breathing exercises or do like a mindful walking i'm curious as the what is the biggest benefit that you've seen from getting quiet and going into a meditative state for yourself?
1: The patience and calm that it has provided me. I used to be a little hothead and uh, it has definitely provided that peace and calm. And I would say the other piece is creativity. Mm -hmm. When all of a sudden you're, 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 you're breathing, you're focusing on your breath. You spend time in peace and quiet. You get so creative because you don't have this outside noise that is clamoring for your attention so often. So it's incredibly powerful to to be in the quiet. One of the reasons why I love the early mornings is it's quiet. And it's it's my time to get better personally and and show up more for my wife and my two sons and all those around me. It's it's my time to. To grow and to learn, and then I can can give those gifts of of what I learned to to the world.
0: Um, what are what time do you normally wake up?
1: So I have modified this. I have taken uh, sleep has become much more of a priority for me. I used to be a six hour six hour a night guy where I would go to bed at ten, get up at four. I'm actually now getting at least seven every night, and I feel much better from an energy perspective. And I think there's some study that says if you get less than seven hours sleep, like your increase of risk of cancer is like 45% or so, it's some staggering number. So wow. um, definitely five o'clock now is my time and getting up, I get my small micro winds in my morning fire in, in the morning. And then I, then I start my day.
0: Um, I've seen a chart that talks about the cortisol levels with sleep and how like around 10 30 is when our body starts making the physiological repairs. And then after like four hours or something like that, then it turns into the psychological repairs. And if we don't get that sleep, that increases our cortisol levels to give us an adrenaline to keep us up and awake. But then that also, if you're getting elevated stress hormones, you're also telling your body to store fat. So I think, I think sleep is one of the most. Under, if people kind of go like, I didn't sleep at all last night, or like, I was up till 12 o'clock working on this, or like, I only got like, it's it's, sometimes it's a badge, it's a
1: badge of honor almost. Yeah, yep, yep.
0: I can operate on four hours of sleep, but like, can your health operate on that sleep for a long amount of time? No,
1: no, and they say, you know, if you, you get a night. Sleep deprived, you're you're basically driving as if you'd had like three drinks or something, right? I mean, that's oh, the mental that's the mental impact that it has on you. So, and I, I, I used to say, hey, I, six, I'm good. I uh, since I transitioned to seven, I feel so much better and so much more equipped, ready to take on the day. And that's something I coach my sons on. I'm like, listen, ten to two is your peak time to sleep. You've got to have a digital sunset throw in those blue light blockers, make sure you're not getting that blue light. So your natural melatonin gets produced and then get a great night's sleep. You're going to be so much better, uh, in the morning for that fact.
0: Um, uh, two questions here. What time, first of all, I mean, I guess what time would you say, do you turn off electronics or put on blue lights? And I almost want to say that, like, there has to be a cutoff time where we're not looking at any screens wherever long bed. Like I think at like nine o'clock, my phone goes on grayscale, So I just am not even seeing any kind of light and I try to put it away. Um, What is your opinion on that before bed?
1: My my time is seven o'clock. I I wear contacts and I have glasses that actually have blue light blockers in them. So that's when I throw them on. I like to have then a digital sunset at 9 PM as well. Uh, sometimes a little bit earlier if I get to bed earlier, but I'm trying, I'm typically in bed by 915, asleep by 930, 940 after I read a bit and then, you know, getting that, that quality sleep. And yeah, it's, it's so, it's so important. And so many people are falling asleep, looking at their phone and then right. they they're questioning, Oh, why couldn't I get to sleep? I, I drive my wife nuts. Cause I get to bed and like my head hits the pillow. I'm out like three yeah. seconds. And she's like, how does that happen to you? And I'm like, well, I prepare for a good night's sleep. Like, right. I'm, and I'm doing all those healthy things to make sure I'm getting a good night's sleep. So yeah, definitely digital sunset important, not only for the parents but establishing those habits for our kids. My 13 year old, it's nine 45. My 12 year old, it's nine 30 phones. Stay downstairs. They're not in their rooms because they need to get good sleep. That's how they're going to grow. That's how they're going to thrive in in life.
0: Um, What, what happens to our, um, if you could elaborate what happens to our brains when we keep looking at a TV all night or our
1: phones? I mean, we're so overstimulated, right? Yeah. Like it, the the, it's just the dopamine hits are just continuing to go, and and you can't calm down, right? Um, and it's it's so bad for you, and we don't truly know the impacts of it because technology true. has been, right, has been rapidly increasing. I mean. I'm scared to see what happens actually to the brain 10, 15, 20 years of constantly being on your phone before you go to bed. So uh, it, it's just, if you have trouble sleeping, you you need to have a process at night, again, to prepare yeah. for a good night's sleep. And so yeah. many people maybe are eating up until the time they go to bed, right? Doing all these, no, you you need at least two hours prior to going to bed where you should have not have your last meal, right? Preparing for a great night's sleep and then then you'll sleep better.
0: I'm curious of what you think about um, the virtual reality.
1: I haven't gotten into it at all. So Never. I am a, uh, my phone is constantly on do not disturb. Yeah. So I my family, close friends that are in my circle, I tell them, if you need me, you have to call me because and I, I just had this instance with my son was at physical therapy at the gym. And he was texting me and I wasn't answering. And he's like that. I was waiting for 15 minutes. I said, you, you got to call me because yeah. I don't I don't get texts because I don't want to be interrupted. And we're yeah. constantly interrupted. Deep work, deep focus work is such a rarity now. And it's so important to put away distractions. And that's that's one of my number one rules in the morning. When you wake up, I don't check my phone until I've stacked all those micro wins because yeah. I don't want negativity. I don't want news. I don't want, I don't want to know what's going on because it's so important to get that forward progress, that forward momentum before anything comes because then you're equipped to handle it. You feel great about yourself rather than looking it up and getting a bad text message or a bad email. And that's going to ruin your
0: whole thing. Anyway, it's going to ruin the whole thing.
1: Your whole day will be ruined. It will send you down that spiral and
0: you won't be able to focus on your ritual.
1: Nope. Oh,
0: <sighs> Okay, do you think that there are if you had to? I know it's I know it's subjective for each person, but if you had to recommend two things that somebody do each morning, what would you recommend that it be to like start their day off?
1: Glass of water, exercise. Okay. I mean, they say exercise is a little bit of riddling for focus and a little bit of Prozac for your mood.
0: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: And we have the ability to do that rather than taking medication to get a little bit of it so water and exercise are are truly I'd mix in a little breathing while you're exercising that can help your your breath breathing through the nose but water and exercise and and I have 3 that regardless okay. of where I'm at I always do and it's water exercise meditation those are my 3 I can be on a deserted island somewhere I'll get those 3 in cool
0: um how long does the exercise need to be in the morning do you think
1: I just love getting 10 minutes in because it's about the consistency. It's not necessarily about the intensity. And I've had, I I have a 10 week coaching program and one of the women that went through it. I mean, she lost 20 pounds in 10 weeks by exercising 10 minutes a day. Really? And it was the consistency of it. She's like, I've never had had the ability to stay consistent. This was easy. I got it in every morning. So I didn't have to worry about it at night. And she lost 20 pounds. It was, it was pretty incredible.
0: Um, would you recommend that somebody do exercise in addition to that 10 minutes, like a, like a proper workout?
1: Not, not at first, if you're just starting out, right. Yeah. Just like the example you gave me of that executive that says, Hey, I can't move throughout the, you've got to start so, so small yeah. that you just start this for momentum. I mean, I personally, I get those 10 minutes in. But then I'm doing 71 pull-ups, 500 push-ups, 11 burpees, plus a weight workout every day throughout my day. But I'm sure people are listening, like, overwhelmed by that. So just start small, start the progress, start being consistent every day, and then just add on. Oh, and that's, that's so, so important.
0: This is awesome. Um, can you... Um, can you tell me a little bit about your book and then talk to the audience about your 10 week coaching program?
1: Absolutely. So uh, the book was actually birthed when the pandemic hit. Cool. So obviously we were all home, right? And people were like, well, I mean, so many people slept in, they're drinking more. I mean, I, I like crap. I'll, I'll readily admit that I had so many Oreos back then, <laughs> from stress eating, but I stayed consistent waking up. And then all of a sudden my kids weren't getting up my boyfriend. So I had two hours with nothing. I'm like, you know, it's time to write a book. So love it. uh, it's, it's based upon my, my morning routine, the mantra I live by rise, fight, love, repeat. And it's that blueprint that I use to bookend my day and then start my day in, in a little story Woven in there that that is definitely near and dear to my heart about my mom, um, but it's it's that that bookend. So it's out on Amazon. You can get it either on a ebook or or paperback. Rise, fight, love, repeat, ignite your morning fire.
0: I'm gonna need to read it. <laughs> um, and then talk to me about your coaching program.
1: So I work with clients either on a one on one capacity because a lot of people want that personal touch. They want yeah. that accountability. Yeah. They want to be able to be vulnerable in a conversation when you're in a group setting it's kind of difficult to to feel like they can express themselves so love working one on one with clients as well as from time to time I roll out a 10 week group coaching program where we have accountability we have weekly calls it's again about that accountability that consistency yeah. and this is for people that want to learn build those good positive habits of how to bookend your days and then really develop that mindset that confidence and intentionally step into the best version of themselves personally and professionally it's amazing to watch that journey of of people going through and, and 10 weeks is on purpose because everybody thinks 21 days to build a habit well we've been lied to for for that one right neuroscience it's now 66 67 days so days threshold so you're really creating a long-term habit rather than just getting a quick win for three or four weeks, and then you go back to what you were doing.
0: There hasn't been many studies done on the habits forming. I don't think, I think there's, I think the number of them is very few and that's why there's so many different ranges Am I right or wrong on that.
1: I, I think so. And, and I, I don't know where it came from. It It's amazing how things get published and society grabs onto them and everybody thinks it's 21 days. And that's why so many people fail. Right. right? I mean, right. It, studies have shown, The third week of January is the most depressing week of the year because so many people give up on their New Year's resolutions. They say, oh, again, I didn't do it. Well, you don't understand the science. And when you understand it could be three times as long, then you'll be much more successful. Cool.
0: Yep. epic. Um, where can, where can our listeners find you I'll obviously lock in, but you can also speak it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they can go out to, uh, out to my website, www.themorningfire.com. morningfire.com got a lot of content out there links to the podcast. If you want to grab a complimentary call with me, you can in any way, or just talk about what you, you might be facing and see if I can impact you in, in a short 20 minute time period i'm out on instagram tiktok linkedin facebook all the all the normal social channels youtube as well i put some content out there so uh yeah just look me up and uh yeah if i can help feel free to reach out
0: awesome i think you have a i think it got me stoked but i think you have somewhere on your website you have like a sample coaching call
1: i do i do so jump on let's yeah i mean. Obviously my intent is to bring you on as a client but if I can't help you I'm not going to tell you I can help you right. right and and that's one of the things that I've prided myself on is I never put anybody through something that I haven't done back when I owned my gym and now yeah. right and yeah. it's the it's that authenticity of leading the way I operate my life so yep
0: cool Well thanks for coming on the podcast today.
1: Well thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. Man, epic. Awesome.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about Jeff, head to themorningfire.com. I'll also link in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please like to subscribe and share. Hope you have a good day. Get fit, feel good. Have fun. Woo!